Welcome to Labor Pains, supported by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am a woman passionate about connecting and helping women and men share their stories of infertility struggles or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy to help support you. My guests will share their painful stories of hurt and heartache to bring you hope and inspiration so you know you are not alone on the journey to have a family to love. There will also be resources to help support you. Thank you for joining us today. So Summer Brune, I met back in 2012 um, with my husband. Um, she was working at that time. Not, I did not know her story at that time, but she was going through infertility struggles. And it's amazing how many women that I meet that I found out, find out later the struggles that they have been through and the stories that they have. So I want to introduce Summer and let her share a little bit about herself, her husband, her marriage, and the struggles, her journey to have a family of her own. Welcome, Summer. Thank you, Teresa. So tell us a little bit about when your journey started, um, when you got married, when you decided you wanted to have children, how many children you wanted to have, and just that whole process um, of the beginning of your, your journey mm-hmm. of having a family. My husband and I married in 2008, and a few years after that, we were both approaching 30, and it was definitely on our mind. Um, and then it became a little more real that this wasn't as simple as we may have thought. Mm-hmm. And during the course of our engagement, we met with um, our pastor at the time and went through a workbook to talk about different things that you might encounter as a couple. And I remember one of the specific questions said, if unable to have children, would you consider adoption? And we both just said, yes, that's, that's fine. We never really thought any more about that topic mm-hmm. until a few years later um, after being married. Okay. And so the journey really began for us um, sometime between 2010, 2011, and trying to get a few facts in place. But since this was something new to us and we didn't know anyone else going through this at the time, it was a very lonely feeling. And my first venture out with doctor number one was just my personal doctor. She gave me a little bit of insight. I had no idea what she was talking about (laughs) between the procedures and the medications. So I was a little overwhelmed. So did you know from the very beginning that you were gonna have infertility struggles? I didn't. Okay. I did not. We just began thinking maybe there's a a reason and maybe we need to look into some medical advice from an expert, from a professional to kind of guide us along our way. So you had made the decision to have a family we did. And started that process, but the periods kept coming and coming and coming. Mm-hmm. So then you sought out the first doctor to find out why. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
And at that time, while it was disappointing, we, we weren't at a rock bottom grieving point yet. We just kind of thought, okay, it wasn't this time. And then we would pray about it and we would just go along. And then the next month it might happen again. But the more that it happens, the more disappointed you become. And those disappointments can translate into fears, especially when you're sitting in a doctor's office, um, like doctor number two, I had to make an appointment and we were on a, nearly a six month waiting list um, mm. for this doctor. And he was a pioneer in his field um, with the reversal procedure, re reverse vasectomies. Oh, so it was very interesting. He had a lot of, of work done, um, a lot of, of great credentials. So we had a really long waiting period to wow. get into him. And when we got to him, we did a test and that test just said, well, there's really no apparent reason why you aren't conceiving. So we didn't really know what to do with that. And for someone that had talked to us less than five minutes, he had mentioned the term IVF. Mm. I didn't know much about IVF. I knew a few people, not in very close um, relationship with me, not a close friend, you know, just an acquaintance. And I knew they had gone through it, but I knew nothing. I knew no none of the details. So this was something I kind of personally shut down when he mentioned that at first, because it seemed like a very extreme measure to take mm -hmm. when we knew so little about what was happening. Right, right. It's interesting that he determined that so quickly to go to such extremes, like you mm -hmm. said. It's like, why don't we do some other, in my mind, I'm thinking, why don't we do some other things prior to, mm -hmm. but it's interesting, the medical field, and I guess because he was a, a specialist mm -hmm. in his field, he may have assumed that you had an appointment with him that you were ready to jump past mm -hmm. some of those steps. Yeah. yeah, and he took a look at my medical chart and you know that was that was clear. I didn't have any anything abnormal show up. I had had something called the the HSG test, which is kind of a, a painful procedure. Um, and in some cases it can eventually increase um, the likelihood of conception, but it didn't work. It didn't work for us, didn't work for me. So that was on the chart. I also had a history of Clomid, which was um, a fertility drug at the mm -hmm. time. And that's something that a lot of people may start on. Uh, is the It's an oral pill that you take, right. um, Clomid. And that wasn't doing anything either. So looking at those pieces, I guess that's how he kind of sat down and said, all right, well, you've tried this and you've tried this and you've been on this waiting period. So this is the next Let's thing. Let's do it. Was there a fear when you took Clomid of multiple births and all of that kind of stuff? I mean, that's what I hear people say is like, oh, once you start this infertility journey, the statistics, the chances of multiple birth, how did that hit you? <laughs> That was surreal, and I actually felt kind of like Alice in Wonderland when she has the little trinket box and she has the potion and the food, and it says, eat me and drink me, and she's not <laughs> sure what's going to happen. I knew there were side effects. Um, you know, ovaries can react, and they can overreact, and there may be some pain associated with that. 
Yeah, I was a little concerned. <laughs> I didn't, the multiples, it wasn't the first thing on my mind, um, more of the, the symptom side, but sure. yes, it, it definitely crossed my mind. Sure. So with Dr. Chu, what all did you end up, how far did you go with that doctor? It was a one-time meeting. Oh. We were in there a few minutes, and then we walked out, and and that was it. And we kind of decided, my husband and I, okay, we're going to have to look into something a little more invasive than we originally thought. Mm-hmm. And going back in my, in my mind now and in my thoughts and memories, um, I think this was something that frightened me a little bit. And we were both ready to have a family. And um, I, I believe that actually my husband um, had met this or had heard of this doctor based on some of his acquaintances. Mm-hmm. And they said, this is the doctor that we went through. And he had gotten a little bit of insight from their journey. Sure. And one of the most important things that I would share um, for someone going through this, some couple, is to to get some really wise counsel before you begin. We had dinner with a couple that had gone through IVF, they've gone through adoption, they've gone through several different things. Um, They have three children, I believe now. And they sat with us at dinner and we had a journal and we started writing down recommendations. They told us their journey. Wow. And that really set the tone And I feel like that helped ease some fears um, for both of us. It was it was not candy coated. It was very matter of fact. This is what we did. This worked. This didn't. And they asked us to consider important topics and and important things like how are you going to proceed if you go to these extreme measures and links and it doesn't work. Hmm. If it does work how are you going to feel? But if it doesn't work, how are you going to feel? And that was the beginning of our journey in our journal. And I, wow. I really value those. Those are treasures to us. And yeah. I began documenting our conversations and dates of different procedures that we tried and things that were not successful. Wow. Well, and I love that you sought out someone that has gone through mm-hmm. a journey that could have been or maybe is very similar to your journey, but if nothing else, to, to spark some thoughts and mm-hmm. some you know things going on that you and your husband could truly discuss mm-hmm. before you went any farther. So I would say for all of our listeners, that is huge. Mm-hmm. And we hope to be that resource for you if you don't know anyone personally mm-hmm. that we can find a person for you to either have a phone call with, a conversation, mm-hmm. if they're local to you, have a cup of coffee with them, have dinner, whatever, so that you really can talk to someone mm-hmm. that has gone through something very similar or mm-hmm. exactly the same. Absolutely. So that is great. It's great that you found mm-hmm. that couple, that yes. you could get connected to them. I think that's huge. Yes, absolutely. Just for your mind, your mm-hmm. whole your whole mindset, and, mm-hmm. and to help alleviate some of, I would think, stress and worry a little bit. It did. That really helped propel me you know, into that next 
phase of, okay, this is something that they've done. This is something we can do that I can do. I think that's huge mm-hmm. when you find someone that they've done it. Yeah. They success, They have successfully accomplished mm-hmm. it or at least found true reason why it may never, ever happen to right. have that understanding yes. of, of where they are, mm-hmm. you know. So Dr. Two was a one-time visit. (laughs) It's cool that you are seeking several different opinions. Mm -hmm. I I think that's great. I think that's good for people to know that don't go with one doctor in what they say. Seek out the right doctor for you Mm -hmm. and the right plan for you. So Okay, so then what happened after Dr. (laughs) Two? Dr. Two, we closed that book. And uh, we had some decisions to make, and we um, we actually had a name recommended to us by someone else. So the funny thing, I'll digress a second. The funny mm-hmm. thing about this journey is when I felt like in the beginning nobody else knew and nobody could relate with me on this or my husband, there were people placed in our path. And hmm. what a huge blessing that was because... In the back of my mind, I thought, oh, I remember someone calling me and just saying, hey, thinking about you. And by the way, here's the name of a doctor that we used. I don't know if this is something you want to use or something you want to take advantage of, but I'll just give you that information. And when you're going through this this process, it's not easy to share about it when you're going through it. Now that it's been some years behind us, um, it's easier to talk about, but at that time, it's almost a, a feeling of, uh, dare I say, embarrassment, you know, sure. shame. You know, we're yeah. we're trying, we're but this isn't working, and this isn't working, and it's really hard to talk about. Um, in some conversations, I recall, you know, I I remember being at um, a dinner table with a work function. And someone we didn't know, you know, said, oh, do you guys have children? And we said no. And they made some funny joke about it. Sure. And some people would tell us, oh, all you need to do is go on a vacation. All you need to do is drink <laughs> this or eat that. Um, so we just, uh, we, were, we were struggling and we realized that we had to be a team on this and support mm-hmm. one another no matter what. That was the basis and uh, of this whole thing, you know, is this is a... A team effort this is to begin a family but we met doctor number three and probably the most surprising um, appointment so he took a look at the medical history and the charts mm-hmm. and I will never forget ever the the words that he said mm-hmm. and he said well it appears that you have less than 1% chance of conceiving. Oh, wow. And I remember just feeling kind of paralyzed and like, what? <laughs> and to me, less than 1% means zero chance. Yeah. And he also gave us a diagnosis um, that it was unexplained infertility. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's... And unfortunately, that is a large wow. um, portion of the of the fertility issue. A lot of people sure. are being diagnosed with maybe it's PCOS or maybe it's this that. But for a lot of us, it's 
unexplained. There's mm. no reason behind it. So this doctor had a background in reproductive endocrinology and looked at some things from a different aspect. Okay. Because this is a really big process if you're looking to go into IVF. We didn't start with IVF. We started with some other things. But <clears throat> to backtrack a little bit, now we have a new thing to digest. Okay, I can't conceive, so is this a place that can help me or not? And that's when we began to look at the future and the finances. Okay, a lot of times this is not covered by insurance in the slightest. Right. So we began to evaluate that and there were sacrifices made and nothing to be regretted whatsoever. Um, and I remember my husband telling me at one point, he said, Summer, if, if we don't do this, we may be looking at each other 20 years down the road and we'll just say, why didn't we try? Mm. And that was a really good, really good point. Yeah. And I'm really glad that he brought that to light. And so we had a lot of things to, to discuss and we began to think of a plan. Um, but sometime along the journey, in terms of a feeling of grief, because I didn't really talk much about the grief process, um, none of this had really hit that hard until that conversation and him telling us that I had less than 1% yeah. chance of conceiving. Um, my husband and I have a, a tradition of going to a Christmas tree farm. Mm -hmm. it's, ador it's adorable. And they have Santa and they have a place for hot chocolate. And I remember us leaving with our Christmas tree and I hadn't really spent a lot of time sobbing and weeping over this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I felt guilty. Sometimes I felt like it's something to do with me. But this particular day, we were talking about how fun it would be in the future to have a family and to take our children there. Mm -hmm. And we got home. My husband was cutting the tree and doing all the work he has to do every year. <laughs> he always has to, you know, do something to make it fit. And it's, stand up. It's always, yeah, it's always a chore. Um, and he always works hard at that. And I remember just thinking, oh my, what if that never happens? And I began sobbing and crying oh. and crying. And it was a lot of built up, you know, feeling and emotion that just came out in literally like a flood. I looked up from my um, from my lap because my head was like kind of on my lap, and I'd cried so hard. I had a bloody nose, didn't even realize it, and just oh. cried through it. <laughs> I wrote this in my in my oh, journal. Oh my goodness! I cried so much, and I I looked at my pants and I thought, oh my gosh, I've just had a bloody nose. I, it didn't even phase me. I was I was sobbing, and um, you know, in those moments, um, it was really important for me to understand you know my place in this world my purpose in this world and you know that it was going to be okay whether this panned out or not and to ask those questions why and praying and asking if this would be the time you know mm -hmm. wow <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness well what I'm taking from all of what you said besides the heartache and the mm -hmm. disappointment and and all of that is the relationship between you and your husband mm -hmm. 
sounds like it's you have a very very strong relationship mm -hmm. I think there are those people mm -hmm. that don't have that mm -hmm. and this destroys their marriage it was it was definitely um, eye-opening for us and there were times that you know we said to each other this this feels kind of like an attack and we have to be careful otherwise we can turn on each other but in the moments that I needed the most support, you know, he provided that because it would have been easy for someone to say, oh, well, I married somebody <laughs> who can't do this with me or for me. And while I had those feelings and those are real feelings, he never once made me feel like he was disappointed with me as a wife or a person. Oh, that's huge. And I knew that he meant it. And so when we ended up going for the big guns after a couple of rounds of <laughs> okay. the IUI, um, we began the, the IVF journey. And I won't skip too far ahead, but I will tell you that the day that I was going to find out whether this had worked or not, I was nervous. Sure. You know. We had, gone, we had gone through a lot to get there, and he left a note on my steering wheel. I don't know if I kept this in my journal or not, but, you know, it basically said, you know, no matter what happens, I love you, no matter what happens. And so then I had one of those sobbing fests again, you sure, know. Sure, <laughs> I could barely drive to the appointment. <laughs> but those are the types of things that, that get you through, you know. Yeah, you have such a supportive husband. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Absolutely. Yes. Amazing. So you started the IVF. <laughs> so was this a one time and success for you or was this multiple times for IVF? This was a one time IVF and looking at the cost and the risks and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Because when I started this, I was 30. 233 mm -hmm. and we knew that we likely wouldn't be able to try this over and over and over again um, so we had done the IUIs I can give some more information about that if anybody wants to know sure um, the the percentage for us it wasn't very likely that we tried I think four times okay so during IVF um, we began to look at the cost and we kind of put a plan together and one of the first things I recall is a Walgreens notification saying that all of these medical medical injections all of these things were going to come to my door <laughs> and it was like on dry ice and I actually had them sent to ProSource that first time and okay. everyone at work knew about it sure they knew um, because I told them I'm gonna have some appointments over in St. Louis. I'm going to be back and forth. And they were very, very supportive. That's great. I can't say enough about that whole organization, that company, uh, during that time of our, our life. So I actually put the address to ProSource because I was terrified for that to sit on our porch, knowing it costs a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And it's the first of several things that you have to pick up and so open it up like it's Christmas morning and there 
there are injections and there are instructions and there are, there's a, a biohazard bag to discard <laughs> all of my needles. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is getting real. Yes. Um, you, you have to do a lot of, of shots. That's the name of the game. And it's basically a balance of them testing your blood and getting those hormone levels and finding what dosage is best for you on what day. And it is a daily thing. There would be times that the office would call and say, okay, Summer, this dose you will take at 9.15 tonight. Okay. And we'll call you tomorrow with further instructions. And I thought it was wow. Mission Impossible. Wow. Sounds yeah. like <laughs> this message will self-destruct. I'm glad it wasn't a Mission Impossible. Right, right, <laughs> There right. was success yes. for it. Yeah. But yeah. And I don't think people realize or understand really how much a woman has to go through mm -hmm. when they hear of just IVF. Right. I mean, my daughter, too, mm -hmm. had to go through IVFs mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, and I was shocked at the same thing, the dry ice and, and all of the injections mm -hmm. and the the place to put all of the needles and oh, I'm yeah. like oh my gosh like you mm -hmm. this is real this is a little scary but yeah. wow mm -hmm. I think at one point um, I had almost like a fanny pack type thing <laughs> and it was my it was one of my first and earliest injections and my sister and I were at a ball game and you couldn't mess around with time yeah and I'm really glad that this was followed to a T because it, you know, was successful. And her and I went into the family bathroom at this sports park. And I said, all right, told my sister, okay, it's time. I have to go take this shot now. And it was an injection that you put in your abdomen. Mm -hmm. And she was in there with me and I'm peeling things and I'm getting the vials ready and mixing and drawing and wow. <laughs> <laughs> Here at the baseball game, you know, seventh inning stretch. Well, I'm going to do injections. You wow. Know. And how did she do with that? Because some people don't like shots and right. stuff. Right. Hopefully she was someone that didn't pass out on no, you or something. No, Very supportive. The whole, our whole family was really, really supportive during this time. Wow. What I'm hearing from you, and I am just astonished by the support that you had mm -hmm you know, through your husband, through your family, and most importantly, even your employer. Because right. that has to be very, very difficult mm -hmm. if you work at a place that yep. is not supportive right? for your doctor's appointments, for injections, mm -hmm. for whatever you needed to do mm -hmm. to have the family that you want. And it, that is amazing that mm -hmm. you found all that support mm -hmm. in right. every aspect. Absolutely. Was there anywhere that, before we go on to uh, the rest of the IVF, mm -hmm. the place that you didn't find support that was upsetting mm -hmm. to you or anything like that? Or did you, was it all kind of really good question? Really, really good. I think overall, the, um, the experience, albeit emotionally draining, I don't think there was a lack of support. I, I do remember um, a time or two where getting access to something seemed like a little bit of a challenge. We had to okay. make a late night trip to 
somewhere in St. Louis to a specialty Walgreens clinic, something we couldn't get um, within enough time because, you know, per their their shipment, however they shipped it to your door, we couldn't get it in time, okay. and this could have thrown off the whole thing. Ooh. So we had to make a quick trip. We called the doctor, yes, you're going to need to go to this place to get Lupron or whatever it was, and so many of these names of the injections I, I can't even remember, but I do remember Lupron being one of the earliest ones. Mm -hmm. And so we hightailed it over there, and I, I remember a few phone calls, um, you know, with... <laughs> With the pharmacy, you know, kind mm -hmm. of being um, strenuous, but for the most part, there there wasn't um, any part of this where where I felt like we weren't being supported. Oh, good. Which is is huge. Good. I'm sure from what I've heard from people, sometimes even though those comments, like we kind of mentioned earlier, from from friends more so probably than family. Sometimes it could be family, depending on how close the family is. Of, you know. Like, how come you don't have children? And, you know, they have yeah. no idea mm -hmm. what you're battling, what you're going through mm -hmm. to nope. to try to have a family. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would believe that that is hurtful, you know, as mm -hmm. especially as you're going through all of this injections and mm -hmm. then whatever to run into a friend that says, yeah. how come there's no kids? You know, what right. are you guys waiting on? And, yes. <laughs> and it's it hitting you. Yeah. And I mean, to me, I mean, there were times, you know, my journey is not anything like yours. And I kind of explained my journey in the very first mm -hmm. episode. But to be to be so upset, to have to almost remove myself mm -hmm. because of the emotion. That is true. And now that you're talking about that, all of <laughs> so these funny. other things came up. Okay, there were some dark moments. Um, I did have a few conversations, and I didn't take these too personally because uh -huh. everyone Good. has their own idea about it. Um, adoption is, is something close to my family. Uh, my grandfather was adopted, and as he would always tell us, um, he would say, you know, if it weren't for my adoptive family, you wouldn't be here. I said, you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And so we know that that the adoption piece it's it's a, a tremendous blessing and we i'm grateful for that um for that option for families albeit very very difficult as well that could be a whole other podcast oh, yeah, for yeah, what yeah. people are going through be. in that yes <laughs> but um i did have a couple of of acquaintances that would ask me why would you go through this why wouldn't you just adopt and it was really hard to explain to them I, I couldn't even find a real answer, um, but I felt like spiritually they they didn't agree, you know, with the way we were going about mm -hmm. it. You know, well, there's got to be a reason, so maybe you're supposed to adopt. But I didn't feel it was anyone else's mm. journey, and it's not their connection, and it's not their their journey of faith, you know, sure. to 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 walk. It's it's ours, and. So we felt like we're gonna we're gonna give this a shot and to try to have our our family, my husband and I, we're going to try this. Mm -hmm. So th there was that, um, but for the most part, people would eventually understand. This is the desire. It was a desire of my heart, and I would probably tell anyone that goes through that, 
you know, you don't have to defend yourself, but just to realize this is a natural thing that we're born with. There are, there are plenty of people out there that do not want children, oh, and yeah. I, and that's fine, but it's very natural to want a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, go figure. Yeah. <laughs> this makes the world grow. Yeah. So, you know, denying yourself of those, those natural innate feelings um, is difficult, and you don't have to. Yeah. And another thing was um, seeing other people become pregnant and going to a bridal or excuse me, a baby shower. And I remember going to a baby shower and I went into the bathroom and felt very, very unhappy to be there. And it wasn't about being selfish. It was just not the right time. So as someone who's walked through this, if, if there is someone walking this, the same journey and you have all your friends that are having baby showers and doing that, do what you feel you can. You don't have to put yourself in, a, in that situation. Your friends are not, if they're really your friends, they're not gonna be mad that you're not there. Buy mm-hmm. a gift, send a gift, send a card, but don't put yourself in that situation. And it's okay to not. I would totally agree with that. Totally agree. That is mm-hmm. great advice. That yeah, you have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Your mental health um, is so important through going through any type of journey mm-hmm. like this really any aspect of life mm-hmm. in general but yeah mm-hmm. you know do what's right for you mm-hmm. for sure so tell us go back to the day that you went to find out if the IVF Ooh. worked <laughs> so all of the all of this has been building up to this day and <clears throat> I didn't necessarily feel any different. I just remember we had a potluck that morning. Somebody had brought a bunch of food in and I wasn't hungry for any of it because I was too nervous at work. I sure. I knew that this was a big deal and they all knew too. So the office said, you know, you come by and get your blood drawn. So I went by early that morning, came back into work and I waited and waited Ooh. and tapped my fingers and tried to do my job and then I got a phone call but I do have to add a really important number to this and and just to kind of illuminate a little bit on on what this IVF looked like when they did my egg retrieval and implantation we ended up with 11 embryos Mm -hmm. okay I had 26 eggs 26 eggs went to 11 Mm-hmm. And after a few days, I'm thinking, oh, we have 11 embryos. Holy cow. What is this going to look like? <laughs> and they're not even here. Here we are talking about it in our house, and they're over in a freezer in St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we, wanted to, we wanted everyone to know our belief that we wanted to give everyone a chance, everyone, a chance at life, you know? <laughs> right. How would you select? Well, let's try this one and this one. What do you do? What do you do with the others? What if you can't physically or financially support 11 children? And so we had that in our minds. That was something we definitely took very seriously. And the next phone call we got was there are two embryos left. Oh, wow. So we went from 11 to two pretty quickly. So now it's a whole new thing. You know, they said, well, one of them looks pretty good kind of textbook, you know, but the other, not so great, a little behind. Um, they didn't really have a lot of, of 
hope that that one would quote unquote take. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny to talk about that yeah. when you know who they are now <laughs> as a person when it's your kid. Um, so anyway, waited for a couple weeks and um, you know I'd gotten the blood drawn and that's when I had found the note on my steering wheel uh-huh. and I remember listening to some really powerful spiritual music on the way like no matter what this is it's going to be okay mm-hmm. and I was prepping myself for both joy and disappointment at the same time and after waiting what felt like hours I got a phone call from the doctor's office mm-hmm. nobody else is in the office everybody's out in the showroom showing off the beautiful flooring and the tile and all that and I got a call and I started wandering around the showroom and God love her her name is Crystal and she said Summer I want to call to tell you that the test is positive you're pregnant and I kind (laughs) of lost it there in in the rug section and I'm kind of burying my face in between like the carpets (laughs) the carpet sample rack and I'm like oh and without a second thought I'm telling you I I took off and everyone at work knew oh she's finding out today I grabbed my stuff and I bolted out the door (laughs) I didn't tell anybody anything and I'm like I gotta go find my husband at work yeah I feel like I broke some laws on the way (laughs) you know going through all this to find out we're expecting now I really got to take care because I can't get into a car crash on the way yeah so I, uh, I I zoomed over and Um, He met me, I think, outside, and it was a quiet walk, and I was trying to contain myself because I'm a little shocked myself. And we're on the elevator. It was a very quiet ride. Walked through his office and then shut the door and told him, okay, I'm pregnant. (laughs) You know, and it was just such a, man, it was such a joyous moment. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we were just so incredibly blessed and thankful and, um, you know, the doctor, doctor number three, and if anybody ever wanted um, a personal recommendation, what a, what a great guy. And he told us when he found out, you know, that it was successful. He was very, very transparent. He said, well, this is great. He said, not everyone has this, this ending. Right. He said, this could have gone completely different. And we know that. So, yeah pretty crazy wow so yeah I mean that's huge Mm -hmm. because I have heard from women that they go through multiple multiple Mm -hmm. times of IVF the percentage rate I don't know now right off the top of my head but it is not a great percent Mm -mm. that there is success with with that so you're very very blessed and very very Very, fortunate to Mm. to have had Mm -hmm to only go through that one time right and that both took yes absolutely amazing mm-hmm. so but even with women when that when you get that um, call mm-hmm. that you're pregnant I mean there's still as we all know there's there's still time mm-hmm. that there could be complications there could be loss mm-hmm. um, I know for you because we've kind of already celebrated this, <laughs> yeah. that uh, you have two beautiful children 
But was there any time from that moment to when you actually had them that there was a scary moment? Was there any time where you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose them? Yes. Or, or any of that? You know, oh, I, I don't yes. know. We never talked about yeah. this, so I don't know if there was that time or not. So one of the, the things that they required that I do after finding out I was pregnant was to receive the progesterone shot. And... You know, to just put this in layman's terms, it was a shot in my butt every day for, you know, 12 weeks, and my, and my husband did that every single time. There were, there were, I think, two instances where he was out of town for work or something, and although I'd given myself the shots in the front, the one in the back was a little hard for me to do. <laughs> And so I had a coworker, and her sister was a nurse, and one day I went over to her house at 5.30 or 6 in the morning, and I didn't know her that well, but here you go. Can you put the shot in my butt? Thank you. And then my sister-in-law did it for me. She's, um, she's a, an athletic trainer, and okay. she knows a lot about the body, and she's, she's just she's a smart, <laughs> smart mm -hmm. person, and, and she was more than willing to, to help. And it didn't seem like a big deal maybe to them, but it was to me because sure. I needed that every day. And I think we had a, a steak dinner or something to celebrate when we were done with the shots because I did not oh. ever look forward to that. Um, after that, things seemed to look okay with the heart rate, but the one that looked like it was behind in the very beginning was the one that kept falling off the chart, oh. and which is the reason why after working so hard to get them, I didn't have a normal, you know, pregnancy. And I was pregnant for a little over six months, you know. And so, mm -hmm. whole other story. But yeah, there, there were some times where we were, we were concerned, um, you know, because it's common for multiples, for one to, to get a majority of the nutrition but there is a number, and once that number's hit, then they want you to take it a step further mm -hmm. and to go into some more investigating, like maternal fetal medicine, and, and make sure everything was okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. And it was interesting that we met so many years ago and that mm -hmm. we just recently have kind of ran into each other and yes. reconnected. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't even know your entire journey. I just mm -hmm. knew that, you know, you had left ProSource <laughs> because you were pregnant with twins. Abruptly, yes. Abruptly. <laughs> and I really didn't know all the stuff, mm -hmm. your journey before that. Yeah. And that we've just recently have reconnected. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to share that, you to be able to share that story on my podcast is it's just so heartwarming for me to know mm -hmm. that you've had such success mm -hmm. and so let the listeners know um who your children are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just wrinkly and how old they are and all of that um they are super cute super sweet kids um we have a <laughs> a boy and a girl so twin boy and girl but they are in kindergarten and have really just, they just have such a neat story. And I'll probably get emotional thinking about it. But one of the, one of the reasons those journals are so special is because it's all about them and 
it's not like, oh, look, I have a scrapbook of, of my birthday parties. It's, this is way before then. This is, yeah. we were excited to have an opportunity to bring you guys in the world. And so I hope that just means so much to them someday to understand the start of this and how much their mom and dad wanted and desired them. Um, so yeah, they're, they're wonderful kids and it's hard raising yourself sometimes, you know, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. different, um, you know, attitudes or facial expressions, but they're, they're wonderful. And we, we couldn't have asked for a, a better family. Sure. At this age that they are now, <laughs> whoever was the one that was struggling mm -hmm. from the very beginning, have they had any struggles after, after, um, or no, since they were born? We had quite a few because they were born so early. So the, I even thought about someday writing something, you know, about the IVF, uh, IVF experience, but from IVF to the NICU, because you've waited We're so have long to have you on the podcast yes. again to, to yes. talk about the NICU experience. Yeah, we will. I won't give too much away, but, but it was pretty, um, a pretty urgent thing. The day I left ProSource, it was on a Friday, um, late April. And my due date, I think was July one, knowing that twins typically don't really go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they typically go early. I think 37 weeks is desired. Uh, excuse me, April 23rd okay. is their actual birthday. So I walked out of ProSource thinking, all right, something didn't feel right. So I put in my maternity leave a little early and the doctor signed off on it and they watched me waddle away big as a house, although I was wow. not <laughs> that far along really. I was 30 weeks. Uh -huh. I was entering my 30th week and I had a, uh, I had a really important um, ultrasound on Monday and from Monday, that day, they said, you're going to have to be admitted and you're not going home until they're born. And I thought, okay. Wow. <laughs> so that was strange. I didn't Ooh, have a lot of things rough. in place, but they were born um, that Wednesday. So 36 hours after, after that ultrasound and finding out something was not okay. Wow. So after, after that whole experience, you know, preemies have a host of, of things that you have to watch out for, look out for, um, just from strength perspective. So physical therapy, lots of, of those, yeah. um, intervention programs, you know, but they are doing really well in school Good. Good. and, you know, other than always catching something at school, you know, they're, they're pretty healthy children. Good. Good. Wow. Well, <laughs> and I've gone through a little bit with my daughter with the NICU, mm -hmm. um, my grandson was, her water broke at 30 weeks and mm -hmm. she delivered at 32 weeks, which that's a whole nother story. I had no idea once the water broke that we would wait <laughs> still that we'll talk about that another, another, <laughs> um, episode. Yeah. But is there anything that you can share with our listeners mm -hmm. that are going through infertility, some struggles to give them hope? Mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things is to not lose the sight of your importance in this life and the purpose that is out there for you. I remember having that feeling, well, if I can't have a child, then what good am I? And that's not true. 
those those feelings are not true I, I understand they're real um, but trying to keep yourself away from that mentality and realize that the desire to be a mother a father um, it, it's real but it doesn't complete who you are as a person there's still something out there for you um, and then to find the right people uh, find someone who or a couple a couple preferably if you can find find those that have wise counsel um, that don't tell you just the things you want to hear like oh it's gonna be okay you know if you if you just pray about it and it all work out I hated hearing it will all work out mm -hmm. you know did it in its own crazy twisted way yes but that's not the the end result for everyone so find someone that's going to be a truthful resource for you um, find encouragement find support from from those people develop a plan have a plan of what I'm willing to do what I'm not willing to do what's going to happen if this works or if this doesn't mm -hmm. and be very I would think communicate really well yes with your doctor or doctors yes. and find the right mm -hmm. doctor absolutely for you that mm -hmm. is willing to do what your plan is right and don't Whatever let anybody right and don't let anybody you know interfere with that plan and tell you well this is what I did you know you're gonna have to do what's right for you in hindsight we didn't do everything everyone told us to do um, we used the bits and pieces of information as a guide for us to move forward that the thing the process that felt right for you yes mm -hmm. so great advice great advice mm -hmm. so for all of our listeners just know that you are not alone in this journey mm -hmm. that there are women like summer mm -hmm. that have gone through the journey that's here to help you mm -hmm. um, and she's very willing to help you mm -hmm. to connect with you if um, you need some support, encouragement, some guidance. Mm -hmm. We are in the St. Louis area, like she had kind of indicated, mm -hmm. but you know, we're just a phone call away. We're just an mm -hmm. email away. Yes. We're just social media away yes. uh, to connect with you. Thank you so much, Summer for sharing your story of hope and encouragement with all of our listeners. If you have found value in listening to this podcast, please subscribe and give a review. But most importantly, share this with the person you know that it can help. If you are interested in connecting with myself or Summer, please connect on Facebook through women connect and support or by sending me an email at Teresa and that's T-E-R-E-S-A dot women connect 2019 at gmail.com all of this information will be in the show notes and as always I want you to know that you are not alone on this journey and we are here to connect and give you support through this most difficult time of your life.